Well, I want to encourage you um, on some of you, you should see these cards in your front pew. And uh, I want to encourage you, those of you who are not partners with Pentecostal Tabernacle, we call partners members. Uh, and we are conducting a, a brand new process for our membership uh, classes, partnership classes. Uh, there's two classes, and then uh, you'll be brought in as a member. Uh, and so the first one starts January 31st, and the next one is the following day. Actually, that should say 10 to 12 and not 10 to 1. And I'm going to be teaching that first class. And so those of you who are not partners, um, you know, I, I want to encourage you to become a partner of Pentecostal Tabernacle. There's a lot of work for us to do in the city and, and we encourage you and, uh, and we encourage even teenagers. Amen. Amen. We encourage teenagers also to, you know Jesus Christ, you love him and you, you're baptized and if you're not baptized, you intend to get baptized. We are going to really, uh, I think Corinne, Where's Corinne? Corinne around here? Yeah, Corinne. How old were you when you became a member of PT? 12 years old, okay? 12 years old. So, um, you know, if you're mature enough and you love Jesus and you want to do some good work in the church and you want to continue to call this your church, not that you wouldn't be your church if you didn't join, but uh, we, we really feel like this is the season. So we encourage you to... Uh, take the partnership class. Amen. And for those of you who, some of you may uh, want to come and you say, well, I'm already a partner, but I'd like to come. Come, come and join us. I think we're going to have a blast. You may, you, you may want to rejoin again, you know. <laughs> uh, praise the name of the Lord. Well, uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. And I'll just signal, uh, Dr. Dr. E. Yang, I'm going to ask you to pray at some time during this message. Okay, so ask you to be ready. Is that all right? I hope it's all right because my wife picked you out. <laughs> Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Jesus left there, that is, there being Capernaum, and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the Sabbath came. He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. Where, what's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, 
Joseph, Judas, Simon. I mean, we used to hang out with them. I had that. <laughs> Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own home. And he could not do any miracles. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick folks and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Or the King James Version says he was amazed at their unbelief. I want to speak to you on the subject, try harder in 2020. Try harder in 2020. Tell the person next to you, try harder this year. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I bow the words of the Apostle Paul, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance that you have in each of us who are your saints. Help us all to know the exceeding greatness of your power that's in us who are believers. For it's the same power in us that raised Jesus from the grave. I pray, Father, borrowing again Paul's prayer for the church at Corinth, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power that people's faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Greene or the wisdom of any man, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, well the background to this is that Jesus, uh, in chapter 5 of the book of Mark, he, he, uh, raises up from the dead a 12-year-old girl whose father, Jairus, is the ruler of the synagogue, which means that he, he is like the executive pastor of the, of the Jewish church, if you want to call it, in, in the city of Capernaum. And Capernaum is like a major city, and Jesus raises this child from the dead and though he told those who were around him shh don't tell anybody a whole lot of people started I imagine sharing the news because not simply Jesus raised this girl from the dead but also that she he raised from the dead this um, this girl who was the daughter of a very important man Now, you may say, all right, so what's the big deal? From there, Jesus goes to Nazareth. Now, from Capernaum to Nazareth 
is what they would call in the Bible a day's journey. A day's journey would equal 20 miles. Are you following me? And so it would be like Jesus walking from Cambridge to Braintree. Okay. Now, which you may say, oh, that's a long walk. Well, that, no, it's 20 miles. So it's not really that big of a deal. My point is, is that so by time Jesus gets to Nazareth, the people there have probably heard what he did. Are you following me so far? And, and so Jesus comes, and you would think that they would say, wow, hey, Jesus, I got, no, my cousin's sick, my aunt's sick, my co-worker's sick. No, when Jesus comes to town, they say, who is this guy? How, how, how did he turn from a carpenter, which in the Greek is equivalent to, one of the translations of the Greek is, he's a handyman. How does he turn from a handyman to a rabbi? Now, you need to understand that rabbis would have their disciples or their students walking with them. So Jesus has this entourage and the people who grew up with him try to keep him in a box. They, 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 they said, we knew you when you were a little boy. How did this all change? And the Bible says they were offended. Our theme for 2019 was the arrest. And one of the scriptures up there that was really a blessing to me was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, when Jesus tells us to come to him and he will give, can you say give? He will give us rest. Yet, many of us during the year 2019 did not receive what Jesus offered to give. And you're upset saying, Bishop must have heard God wrong because this was the most restless year I've ever had. Well, uh, the, the problem is, is that you and I, we, we come to Jesus with preconceived ideas when Jesus does not speak to us through observation or explanation. He speaks to us through revelation. And so the writer in Hebrews says there is still a rest that's available to the people of God. So just because 2019 has left doesn't mean you cannot receive rest. As I said last week, my favorite, one of my favorite football players is Julian Edelman. And the reason why he's one of my favorite football players is because he always tries. He always tries. He always tries. I like Julian Edelman because he's a fighter. I like Julian Edelman because he's a fighter. Number one, he fights for his teammates. That's where I get that word try. He fights T for his teammates. 
he fights to receive the football and he fights through injuries. Mm. What do you mean, Bishop? Julian Edelman fights for his teammates. I like what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says. It says, let us, for you have need of patience or you have need of perseverance or you have need of endurance, that after having done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We got, we, we, we got to score for our teammates. There, there's a, if you can pass me this uh, uh, football here. You, 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 you can't score without the football, as the Patriots found out yesterday. <laughs> can't score without the football. You, you need the football to score. If you run across the goal line without this, there's no score. And there are people who need you to score. I put this here, God's plan and God's promise. It is important that every one of us are carrying God's plan and God's promise. And God needs us to score for the team. I, I want you to give this, is, is Caleb up here? I thought, oh, good. Good. The Lord told me to give this to you. This is, this is not for you to play with. This is as a reminder that the hand of God is on your life and there are people attached to your life who need you to make sure that you do all that God has called you to do. Amen. I like Julian Edelman because he fights to receive the football. First Thessalonians uh, chapter one, verse six, Paul says it this way. He says, I commend you because you received the word in the midst of tribulation. Folks, anybody can receive the word of the Lord at a nice resort, retreat, but can you receive the word of the Lord when all hell is breaking loose? Can, can you receive the word of the Lord where God says, I'm going to supply all your needs and you are, you are, as someone, as one pastor said, you feel so low that you could sit on a dime to swing your legs. I mean, then you'll get that one today. So the, the point is, is that you and I are fighting through we, we need to fight to receive the promise in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of troubles, in the midst of challenges. Uh, Julian Edmond, he also fights through injuries. Mm. And this is, this is really the crux of this message because I really believe that uh, many of us are not fighting enough through injuries that is fighting through offenses. Oh, my and, and, and so I really believe that our church is stuck because there are a lot of offenses that people are not willing to fight through. I was talking 
to uh, uh, Deacon Eric and just sometimes you, 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 you run through the Bible quickly through your mind and what struck me about, about this fighting through injuries, when fighting through when people hurt you, fighting through when people offend you, what struck me here is that when Jesus says to his, his followers, his disciples, his apostles, he says to them, you know, you, you need to uh, forgive somebody who's done wrong to you, and he says, you need to forgive them if, they, if they've done wrong for, to you seven times and they ask for forgiveness, you need to forgive them. In fact, and, and I think from there, uh, Peter, feeling like he's you know, very special, he says, should I forgive my brother who, who offended me seven times, thinking that he's spiritual? And Jesus says, no, seven times 70, meaning 490 times, meaning that every day of the year plus more, you need to forgive those who have offended you. It is amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing that the disciples do not ask Jesus to increase their faith in order to produce miracles. They never said, increase our faith when they, so that we can heal. <laughs> this is the one time they said, increase my faith because I need faith to forgive. And I believe that our church is stuck because there is a lot of unforgiveness of offenses in this church. Now, the good news is that I don't know who's been offended, which makes it easy to speak. So, so, so I remember I was preaching a sermon, and it was really very personal stuff I was saying, but I was saying it because I didn't know. No, I, I, the Lord speaks through me, and I don't know who I'm talking to. And then someone came up to me and said, it was me. And I'm like, I didn't want to know all that. I, just, <laughs> I didn't want to know that. So, so, so my point is, don't, don't come to me. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you, if, 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 if you grew up Catholic and you need a priest to confess to, I'm here. I'm your guy. But, but my point is, is that I'm not the one who you need to confess to. And many of us were wondering why are we still stuck the same place January 1st, 2019 and our lives have not budged and it's now January 5th, 2020. And I'm going to tell you why. It, it possibly could be because you have taken offense. Our, our theme this year is to believe. And it seems to me that God is saying the one thing that will affect your ability to believe is when you take offense. Now, the, 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 the frightening thing about taking offense is that the offense or the offender does not necessarily have to be in this room. For some of you, the offender may be someone who doesn't even go to this church. 
and maybe somebody on your job. And although you and I may compartmentalize our lives, meaning my job life is here, my school life is here, my social life is here, God doesn't play that game. So if I am a child and I am disobeying my parents and I am, I am at, uh, at strong disagreement, fighting, uh, saying all sorts of you know, curse words and, and yelling and screaming and getting an attitude, and then I come in here and, and wonder, well, God, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you answering my prayer? God is saying because of the fact that you... Your offenses are affecting your faith. And without faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God. Don't worry, I'm not looking to see or hear a lot of amens. Uh, I really want to see change. There's three things about offenses. Number one, offenses, if you're going to be delivered from offense, you're going to have to pray. That's what I like about the disciples. When they heard Jesus say what it takes to believe and walk with him, he, they said, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, they went to Jesus to help them, help deliver them from being offended. Mm. Secondly, oh my goodness, offenses are voluntarily taken, not forced. The NIV and the King James Version said they took offense. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't have to be offended. I remember my, my brother's first, first few weeks at Matinon High School, a Catholic school. Um, not many African-Americans there. And uh, I remember the nun saying to my brother, now again, this is, I don't know, my goodness, 35 years ago, whatever. And I remember the nun saying to my brother, um, Mr. Green, uh, can you tap dance? Now, now, for those of you who are not African-American, uh, that's an insult. And my, my brother looked at the nun because it was like, oh, it was going down. Then he realized, <laughs> like, no, this is a woman in her 60s. She, she's not trying to offend. And he just said, no, sister, and just, and just let it go. Ask the person next to you, why, why can't you just let it go? This is frightening. We're living in a day, you, we as Christians have been sucked in by the world. You need, you need to hear me. We have been sucked in by the world to the point that we forget about what Jesus did for us. What do I mean by this? We really believe we have the right to be offended. 
We think being offended is our right. So when you offend me, I have a right to be offended. Therefore, I have a right to not forgive you or I have a right to have an attitude. You don't have a right to be offended. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You don't have the right to be offended. What do you mean? I mean, yeah, someone will offend me. I don't have a right to hold on to the offense. This is the beauty of it. Someone offends me, I have the right to tell them I was offended. But if they say, I don't care, I don't have the right to hold on to the offense. And that's where many of you are getting jacked up because you're wondering why I can't get breakthrough. You're wondering why God can't, God, why things aren't moving. And God is saying, because you have decided you have a right to hold on to an offense. Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, well, that's Jesus. How about the first martyr? <laughs> How about the first martyr? Thank you. Thank you. Read Acts chapter 7. Yeah, thank you. They are throwing stones at Stephen. And he says, Father, don't lay this charge against them while they are throwing stones to murder him. And you have the nerve to hold an offense because someone didn't say hi to you. You have the nerve to hold an offense because somebody didn't invite you to their birthday party. I know I'm preaching up in here. You have the, this is, this is what gets me, Tara. People have, you have the nerve to hold an offense towards somebody who didn't offend you, but offended your friend. You weren't even the offended body, body so stay in your lane. And, and I wish this could be, I wish I could laugh, but I, I feel like our church is stuck because there's stuff here. And I'm not trying to be in this same space January 5th, 2021. You know, you get to a certain age, you know, Cameron, we, 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 we re, we're in our 60s. You get, you get to a certain age where you realize I get less time in front of me than I do behind me. And that's if, that's if, Sister Debbie, if the Lord even, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Well, look at me, look at, look at me, look at me, look at me. Cause this, this is serious, this is serious, this is serious, this is serious. Cause my friend Lynn Collins died at 66. 
She got Alzheimer's at 55. So, so even if I live long, it doesn't mean I'm going to have the quality of life. So, so I'm, I, now I understand what the older saints used to say, redeem the times. So please, please understand. I don't care how you feel. Well, I'm mad. Then be mad because I am not going to spend my 60s stuck. It's time to get moving. Some of us, this is a bad right here. Some of us are constipated with offenses. Oh, Jesus. Because you take offense. The devil don't even have to tempt you anymore. He just comes up to you and he says, oh, here's an offense. He'll take it. You just gladly take it. If anybody looked at you under your Christmas tree, there will be a whole bunch of boxes of offenses. And, you know, my mother used to, my mother used to uh, give us Christmas gifts and write from Santa. And, and many of you, you have a whole box of Christmas gifts that says from Satan. My mother offended me, my boss offended me, my neighbor offended me, the dog offended me, the cat offended me. Some of you are so offense sensitive that you're looking for a reason to be offended. Some of you are offended because I stood up there and said, you need to move. And you sat there and I said, you need to move. And you were offended that I, that I told you to move. And, and, and didn't do what the usual pastor would do, say, okay, well, you know, seeing that you didn't want to do what I said, okay, let's move along. No, I ain't playing that game anymore. I'm not. Because there are people out there who are dying. There are people out there who, who are holding on to, 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 to life by a limb while we're offended because someone got nicer shoes than we do. Or someone didn't compliment us when we thought we looked good. Offenses create scandals. Because the word offense in Greek is scandalizo. That's where we get our that's where we get our word scandal from. It is a Greek word. It is offenses. And so let's look at this. So an offense, a scandal means to put a stumbling block or an impediment impediment in the way. <laughs> to cause a person to begin to distrust or desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. To cause a person. So, you know, hey, Quentin, what do you think about the bishop's message today? Yeah, yeah. You know, now I'm, he didn't use that many scriptures. And maybe he was mad at one. Well, Wonder what kind of mood here? No, no, no. What did Lady Common get him mad or something? I mean, what, 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 what? And what happens is that we we cause somebody to not trust the person who they should be trusted. 
To cause somebody to fall away. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. To see in another what I disapprove of. Look at that. Look at that Deacon Vera. She's so old time. What's she wearing a hat for? Only one who gets to wear a hat is Mother Green. <laughs> oh, she must think she's the first lady. And then blah, 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 blah. We, we, we look at, oh, Lord, don't, don't get me started how we look at how people are dressed. And we feel like we have to have an opinion. That's a bad word right there. I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost has been saying to me. When I'm about to open my mouth, he starts to say to me, why do you need to say anything? I mean, someone walks by and their colors are all jacked up. Nothing matches, their, school, their, their shoes are jammed, their hair is all messed up. They think they look good, but they don't. But why do you have to say anything? The Lord is, you know, no. Our favorite sport is watching people. I love sitting in the mall, especially the airport, just watching people. And we've learned, no, I can only speak for me. I think she has, but I can only speak. I've learned to keep my mouth shut. Amen. That was the Holy Spirit. He just said, you know what? Because we would be sitting in the airport, and, I, and, and um, I'm just talking about me and Lady Common because I know you all are more holier than us. But we'll sit in the airport and we'll see a couple and we'll say, how did them two get together? <laughs> how many of you have thought that? Okay, okay, thought, okay, okay, okay. And, and, and the Lord says, why? Boy, where did she get the bag from? Why are you wearing them sneakers? Them sneakers are dirty. God's like, why do you need to say something? Who, who paid you to be the commentator of life? And here we are, folks. It is now the Super Bowl of church. It is January 5th, Sunday morning, and, and Sister Butterbean has walked in with an orange pocketbook and a purple shoes and a red dress. Oh, and Sister Butterbean, with, I don't know where she got that from. She got that from Caldors, but Caldors doesn't even exist anymore. She, and and, and we, we, we make comments. We say things. And God says something. We, we see, we, we believe the part of the scriptures we want to believe. But Jesus said, every word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to be judged for. And with the same measure you judge, you're going to be judged back. I am working hard 
especially as a pastor, Jesus have mercy, to keep my mouth out of other people's ministries. Sometimes you just need one of the best prophetic words I can give you right now is keep your mouth shut. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Holy Spirit, right now, speak to some of us who we need to we need to apologize to. Some of us have gotten so used to be offended and so used to not talking to our brother and sister that we even make up scriptures to support our behavior. The Lord has not led me to talk to that person. Mm. I used to be friends with Corinne, but she has a, oh, she has a demon of competition. Mm. We, we, we spiritualize our disobedience and then we support it with scripture. Mm. This is one that gets me to cause one to judge unfavorably since the one who stumbles feels annoyed. You know, can I be honest with you? There are some pastors who just annoy me. My wife and I were talking about a pastor recently. And I said, what do you think about having this person speak? And my mother, my, my, mother, my wife was like, nah. And I said, yeah, they, they kind of annoy you, huh? And they said, yeah. My point is this is that you can be annoyed without being offended. I mean, there's just some people that just annoy you. Don't, don't try to act all spiritual. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. And my heart is, no, there's some people who just annoy you. Come on, folks. There's some people, there's some people like, I hear their voice and I'm like, thank you for coming, Lord. Like, there's just some voices. Come on, folks. That you're like, you know She's a sweet sister, but if I had to hear that voice for 37 years, I'd just be like, Lord Jesus. I'm trying to help you. you, you so, so there are some things that can be annoying, but that doesn't mean I have to tell the whole world. No. I love Corinne's voice. You know, uh, Corinne, her voice is so annoying. See, because what happens is that now I planted something in his mind. So now when he talks to Corinne, he's, he's now listening. Let me see. 
And then sadly, what happens is that you were cool with that person, but all of a sudden, because that seed was planted, because someone else was annoyed, now you're annoyed with them. Oh, Jesus. And then what happens is that when you have a bunch of people who are offended in the church, then what happens is that the Holy Spirit is trying to move, but he can't because he got a... I know you're a first-time guest, but... <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, no, I can't even get through there. I can't, no, no, I can't even get through there. Let me go back here. So we pray this prayer, Holy Spirit, move up and down the aisles in, the between, the, in between the pews. And he's like, are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? Are you really kidding me? Holy Spirit, move throughout our home. And Holy Spirit says, are you really kidding me? Did you just hear what you said to your wife? Did you just hear what you said to your husband? Did you just hear what you said to your parent. Turn your neighbor and say it's going to be over soon. <laughs> the psalmist said in Psalm 37, verse 7 Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him, fret not thyself. I used to think that word fret in the Hebrew meant don't be anxious. That word fret means don't be angry. And I'm like, what do you mean don't be angry? And the Lord said to me, there are people who have committed their way into the Lord Psalm 37 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Are you following me? And he will bring it to pass. But because I'm taking a long time, there are some people who are angry at God. There are some who are sitting in this room and you are offended at God. I got a prophecy. And the man of God or woman of God said next year, and now it's three years later, God, I'm mad at you. God, I should be married by now. God, I should have this degree by now. And, and there's an anger with God. There are pastors who receive prophetic words about thousands are going to come to your church and they still only have 15. Is there any place in your heart that you're, you're angry with God? And I don't think God minds that, because the, the Bible says, be angry and what? Sin not. So, but, but to live weeks and months and years angrier with God, this is the day that God's saying, I want to set you free. What struck me here is this last scripture, and then we'll pray. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. The apostle Paul says, For in Christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that has any value. The only thing that counts 
is faith that expresses itself through love. I like the, the, the Passion Translation says, the only thing that works is faith that is activated by love. The voice Bible says, faith that is energized by love. Well, PJ, seeing that you're here, can I borrow you for a moment? So I have this flashlight and hopefully this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And so could you please turn it on to see if it's not working. So why do you think it's not working? There are no batteries in it. You sure? How many batteries in there? Uh, three. Three batteries. Three batteries. Okay. Needs four. It needs four. Okay. So, so, so the scripture says, um, I think I had it up there. Maybe I didn't. Galatians chapter four, five verse four, that faith that is energized by love. So you have wait. So you have what? Says three batteries. That's why it's not working. Three batteries. And so what I'm going to do. I think I have a fourth battery. What's this called? Energizer. Oh, Energizer. Okay, so here's my point. You can have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You can have the blood of Jesus. But if you don't have love, so let's put some love in here. Let's put some love in here and see Let's see what would happen if we add love. Ah, still not working, huh? Uh Uh-oh. Put it in wrong. See, that's why I need contacts. Hmm. Or did you put it in wrong? Ah. Now it's working. Now it's working. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. So now it's working. Why? Because my faith, thank you, has been energized by love. One more question, one more thing, and then we'll pray. We'll pray. Um, I have all these things going on with me. Ah, here it is. We gave out these cards. Oh, you're a first time guest. So we gave out these cards to um, the 911 operators for the city of Cambridge. You gave out 60 of these. And these are shop because they have our logo on it. And you actually can take this to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh yeah, yeah, you like that, huh? <laughs> she like, you said saw her face, yeah. So it was really cool. The problem is, is that we got a whole box of these, but I needed my executive administrator, Deegan Joyce, to call up the company and press in a code to activate it. Because if it wasn't activated, you can keep that. It wouldn't work. And many of us are wondering why is my faith not working? 
And God is saying, because it hasn't been activated by love. Well, I can get a lot of stuff done. So how can you say my faith isn't working if I'm getting a lot done? The Apostle Paul says you can move mountains. But when it comes to the kingdom economy, your faith and your miracles without love accomplishes nothing.